Hey, so uh, today we're starting a new series called uh, Make Me a Blessing. It's based on, well, it's based on a lot of things, but the, the, I stole the title from a song that many of you uh, who are my age or older may, may remember. Make Me a Blessing Out in the Highways and Byways of Life. And we're going to be talking about that. One of the things that I've shared with you uh, at our local church conference a couple of weeks ago is that as a church board, we set a goal to become people who know how to share our faith with other people, how to introduce people to Jesus. And that's what this series is about. It's about becoming a blessing by introducing people to Jesus. And uh, we're going to be talking about that. To begin with, if you know, and hopefully if you know, you care, <laughs> if you know and care about somebody between the ages of 20 and 40, please raise your hand. Now, if, folks, if you're online, please raise your hand anyway, because I just want you to know that we're all raising our hands. Uh, we all know somebody that's between the ages of 20 and, and 40. Um, this is important. So for some of us, it's our children. For some, it's our grandchildren. For a few, it could be great-grandchildren, uh, but I'm not going to ask those folks to raise their hands. Uh, it, they may be friends, they may be acquaintances, they may be neighbors, they may be uh, folks that we work with or have worked with, uh, but I just want you to take a, a moment right now as you think to think about these people that you know who are between the ages of 20 and 40 in your mind see their faces hear their voices recall their names Think about this question with me for a moment. How close are they to Jesus? In case you haven't noticed, this isn't news, but in case you haven't noticed, the church, Christianity, has an image problem. Uh, Christians are supposed to represent Jesus to the world, but something has gone terribly wrong. Uh, they use descriptions like hypocritical, insensitive, judgmental, angry, hateful. And young Americans give us an impression, their impression of Christians that's nothing short of unchristian. That's the title of a book by a guy, a couple of guys, David Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons. It's a book called Unchristian. They talk about this problem. If you haven't talked to people uh, enough to realize this issue, uh, start talking to the people between the ages of 20 and 40. Just ask questions. Like, when I say church, what comes to your mind? If I say Christian. Don't, don't re give an answer, just ask questions and listen. More on that later, not later today, later in the series. 
Christianity's image problem, though, isn't merely uh, the perception of young people outside the church and outside Christianity. The young people inside the church see it as well. And it's not just young people, by the way, but there are people inside the church, especially people in their 20s and 30s, who see that we don't always live up to what we're supposed to be. Two-thirds of young Christians say they believe that most outsiders, that would be their friends, most outsiders have a negative image of Christianity. And then another third says they admit that the way Christians act and the things they say embarrass them. Say that again. I will say it again. Two-thirds say that most outsiders have a negative image of Christians, of Christianity. And another third, these are people, young people in the church, Young people who are Christians, one-third admit that the way Christians act and the things they say make them embarrassed. Christians as a whole, not, every, not you necessarily in particular, but Christians as a whole are primarily perceived for what we stand against. We have become famous for what we oppose rather than who we are for. I want to let that sink in. We have become famous for what we oppose rather than who we are for. What does that mean, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to remind you of what Jesus said are the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Who should we care about? The Lord and everybody he lives and dies for. That should be our primary concern, not the things that we are against or even things that we are for. We should be known as the people who love God and people. We are better known for calling down curses on others than we are noticed for blessing them. Now I'm using curse in the widest possible terms because I'm pretty sure, well, I do know because I've seen it. But there are very few Christians that I know personally who actually curse other people, but they do have a lot of them uh, way of talking about people that's not a blessing. We've been acting, we've been acting the way broken, rebellious human beings act, all while we talk as though. We are whole and holy. We give the impression to other people that if they could just get their act together like us, it would be awesome. 
okay, maybe not you. But trust me. But here's the way the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit works to reverse the curse that our brokenness and to bless us with healing and restoration. He, he's not about putting people down. He's about lifting them up. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what Jesus lived to do. And that's what he came to do. We've heard some passages read already this morning about uh, Jesus' grace and uh, his love. I, I want to share another passage. In Paul's letter, uh, the Apostle Paul's letter to the first century church in Rome, uh, we don't often think of Rome as a conflict-filled church, but they were a conflict-filled congregation. It just wasn't as bad as Corinth. They, they had conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles in Rome. Right? There, there was still a tendency for some of the Jewish believers to think that they ought to be in charge, because, well, after all, we're God's chosen people. And they should be, uh, you know, everybody else should want to be like them, because, well, don't you wish you were Jewish? No, I love bacon, just to be a I'm sorry. So you can see where I would fall on that side, in that conflict. I would, I would not be helpful. So in his letter, Paul tells his congregation that they need to come together in the shade of Jesus' cross. And his grace. He gives a, a concise contrast between the curse we have all been born into and live under because of Adam and the blessing of Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 22. I'm going to be reading from the message. You know the story of how Adam landed in us in the dilemma we're in, or the curse uh, of our brokenness. This is the dilemma he, he landed us in. Uh, first sin, then death, and no one exempt from either sin or death. <clears throat> that sin disturbed relations with God and others for everything and everyone. But the extent of this disturbance wasn't clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Even those who did not sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life, this separation from God. But Adam, who got us into this, also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. Yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead-end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured out through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. Okay, he's switching to God's blessing through Jesus. Listen. There's no comparison 
between that death-dealing sin and this generous, life-giving gift. The verdict on that one sin was the death sentence. The verdict on the many sins that follow this wonderful sacrifice was life. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, how, can you imagine? Can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes? Sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man, Jesus Christ, provides. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all in trouble with sin and death, Implication here, just going to pause for a moment. The implication is, whether Jew or Gentile, we're all come from Adam, and we have all fallen under this curse. Whether we're God's chosen or not. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all in in all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put most of us, all of us, in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death, and that's the end. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through Jesus the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end. Jesus reverses the curse created by Adam. I want you to notice how, how he does this. How does he reverse this curse? God reverses the curse one person at a time. One person's rebellion caused the curse. One person's obedience reversed the curse. The blessing of healing and restoration spreads one person at a time as well. Blessings, God's blessings given to us through Jesus reverse the curse. So if Jesus' grace brings blessing and reverses the curse, why are we better known for calling down curses on others than we are noticed for blessing them? What prevents us from passing on the freedom and healing and salvation that Jesus gives us? In that book, Unchristian, the authors make this point. 
people's perceptions of Christianity reflect a church infatuated with itself. Many Christians have lost their heart for those outside the faith. Maybe not everyone, maybe not you, but an awful lot of the really loud ones will embarrass many of us to tears. Yes, you're right. I am not in between the 20 and the 40 range chronologically. I got to tell you, they're my people. They ask questions like I ask questions. The church is infatuated with itself. And so we've lost our heart for those outside. What does that mean? Well, we decided, apparently, in practice, we have passed a third great commandment, which we actually act like is the greatest, greatest commandment. Thou shalt love the church with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and keep it the way it is. You won't find it in the Bible anywhere. Just find it in the way we act. Fear First of all, fear keeps us quiet about Jesus at first. And then, then we start feeling guilty. And then we start feeling discouraged and, and, and despair. You know what that's like. I, as I've heard our responses, when we talk about the fact that there are over 50,000 people in our county who are living and dying without Jesus, who have no connection to any religion, let alone Jesus. 50,000 people, our immediate response is, oh, we can't do nothing about that. There are so many. <coughs> but love sets us free to bless one person at a time. That'll change. give you an example from Jesus' life real quick. We've all been reading through the Gospel of John. Well, many of us have. Chapter 4. Jesus had to go through Samaria. <coughs> he was thirsty and tired. He sat down by a well, sent his disciples to get him out of the way. I mean, to go get food. <laughs> and a woman shows up at the well in the middle of the day, not the normal day, and he talks to her. In the process of talking to her, he reveals to her the very first person, if you go through the Gospels, the very first person that hears Jesus say, I'm the Messiah, is a Samaritan woman who's in her fifth intimate relationship and not married. say it to Nicodemus in the chapter before made implications but he didn't say it he says it plainly to her I am he and what happened one conversation with one woman 
she ran back to the village and villager after villager after villager said to her later, you told us about him, but we believe in him because of what he's done for us. One person at a time. That's the way he works. And he blesses us with his love so that we can do that. Author, N.T. Wright, bishop, teacher, professor. He's got a long list of things he's done. He writes this. Here, here's the secret of all Christian ministry. Yours and mine, lay and ordained, full-time or part-time. It's the secret of everything from being a quiet back row member of a prayer group to being, on a, pla being a platform speaker at huge rallies and conferences. If you're going to do any single solitary thing as a follower and servant of Jesus, this is what it's built on. Somewhere deep down inside, there is a love for Jesus. And though goodness knows you've let him down enough times, he wants to find that love, to give you a chance to express it, to heal the hurts and failures of the past and give you new work to do. To which I would add, he wants to bring healing to the hurts and failures of people around us. So how will we ever have that kind of love? How will we ever have the love needed to overcome our fear, our guilt, and our shame? The answer is always Jesus. And nine times out of ten, the answer is Jesus on the cross. Go to the defining example of God's love. God loved us so much that he gave his son. The God who spread the heavens wide. The God who was crucified. Go to the cross. Go to that standard of love and stand at the foot of Jesus' cross and think about this very simple fact. Jesus died to reverse the curse in your life. How can you not love him in response? to that kind of love. How can we not do anything besides love him and thank him? And at the same time, we recognize that he died for to reverse the curse in us. It is also time to stop and go, and everybody else in the human race is standing here right next to me. He died to reverse the curse in everyone's life around me, Jew or Gentile, <clears throat> rich or poor, red or yellow, black or white. How can you not love the people he died to love and to save and to heal? How can you not love no matter what the cost, how can you not love those people we just named 
few moments ago. Make me a blessing. The, how's that going to work? Well, we're going to start today. This is the foundation. And the foundation of all blessings, the foundation of every blessing is prayer. If you try to do it all on your own, you will mess it up. Well, thanks for the encouraging word. Well, you know, I want to be honest with you. It's true for all of us. We are broken, wounded people. And when we try to do stuff on our own, we make broken, wounded things. And unfortunately, often broken, wounded people. So, <clears throat> begin with prayer. Well, who should we pray for? Well, if you didn't ask, I'm glad that I'm going to get to tell you anyway. Who? Pray for me. I'll explain more about that in a moment. Who else should you pray for? I'm going, to incur, I'm going to start talking to you about what we, I'm calling the Frank list. Friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, and co-workers. Start making a list. Who are my friends that need to know Jesus? Who are my relatives who need to know Jesus? Who are my acquaintances who need to know Jesus? Who are my neighbors who need to know Jesus? Who are my co-workers who need to know Jesus? Make a list. Make a list for every one of those categories. Now someone's already thinking ahead. I like it when you think ahead. Well, I thought you said one person at a time. Well, I'm about to tell you about that. I'm actually going to be ultimately asking you to pray for at least three people. One of them is me, because I want you to pray that I have, that I am so full of Jesus' love that it's contagious. And that he gives me wide open opportunities to get to know people outside. Not so I can turn them into some kind of a Jesus project, but so I can love them in his name, no matter how they respond. I want you to pray for me that God's love will flow through to me into people outside. I'm going to tell you more about this in the coming weeks, but I have already begun finding ways to make that happen. To meet people who are outside. Pray for me. Pray for the frank list. Those are your friends, your relatives, your acquaintances, your neighbors, and your co-workers. And just begin to ask God's Holy Spirit to open their eyes to how wonderful Jesus is. Now, all of us, well, maybe not all of us, but many of us, the first thought you have, but don't they need to know they're sinners? You know what? I went through the book of Acts, and I 
highlighted, because I do that kind of thing, I highlighted every single sermon or presentation of the gospel in the book of Acts. And do you know the subject of every single one of them had nothing to do with your sinners? Every single one said, let me tell you about Jesus. The God who loves us enough to die for us. How can you not want to love and serve him? There you go. Well, I'm not so sure. Okay, you have homework for the week. Go through the book of Acts. Underline every single one of them. Copy them out by hand. Or I don't care. Look at every single sermon and every single presentation of the gospel in the book of Acts. And if you find that I'm wrong, please feel free to tell me. I like to talk. Oh, so I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for, for somebody on your Frank list. I want, if you get that list, you, you may have like, maybe, I don't know, everybody's going to be different. You may be racking your brain going, I don't know if I even have two people on my list. Some of you may be going, I've got like 40 people I know. What are you going to do? Number three, pray for yourself. One more person to pray for. Pray for yourself. And pray that the Holy Spirit will show you which one of these people do you want to bless through me. I know I can't bless all of them. But which one do you want to bless through me? And I'm going to start praying for them. Every time you bring them to mind, or every day. Well, what should I pray, Pastor? How about this words from this song? Make me a blessing. Out in the highways and byways of life. I like, first of all, I'm just going to stop right there and say, Notice he doesn't say inside the four walls of the church building. I can't believe he just said that. Well, it happened anyway. Out in the highways and the byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife. Make the sorrowing glad. Here's the prayer. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. That's what we should pray for ourselves. I'm asking you to pray for me that I will have multiple opportunities to love people in Jesus' name. Not just other people who go to church somewhere else. I want to meet and love on people who don't go to church and don't know Jesus, period. Odds are good. Over half the people in our county fall into that category. So just about every other person I may meet will fall into that category. I'm looking, you know, pray that I meet these people. Pray for the one on your list. That the Holy Spirit brings to your heart, puts on your mind. Pray. 
Begin with prayer. The first step to every blessing is prayer. Begin with prayer. Just a quick note to my introverted friends. You're going to love this step. Okay. There's one that's going to stretch you later. But you're going to love this one. Pray. I want to thank you all for being here. Um, whether you're on site or online, if you uh, haven't already, I want to invite you to join our Champions of Hope uh, Facebook page. There's a link in the description. There's a link on the Facebook uh, church's Facebook page. Uh, you'll receive some unique content. You will also have an opportunity to connect with other champions of hope who are seeking to infuse people around us with the hope of Jesus. <clears throat> I haven't said this for a while, but this is my prayer for you. As you go to live as sent ones, may the beauty of Jesus shine in your eyes. May the love of Jesus shine in your actions. May the wisdom of Jesus shine in your words. May the grace of Jesus flow from your heart to every single person you meet. Amen. You are sent. Go with Jesus.